Hi, and welcome to Classical Stuff You Should Know. We are a podcast about classical education, the classical world, old things, and all of those stuffs. Things. Oh my gosh. Just yep. packaging it up to you all Nailed in it. wonderful little podcast ulets. You're so fired. Uh, <laughs> and off the team. We've been, this has all been a test, Graham. And you have failed. And you have failed. I feel like, shouldn't we, we should have a pre-recorded introduction, right? How boring is that? That is the same thing every time. How is that? Is that what you meant to say? Uh, yeah. I must have misheard you. I'm so sorry. How boring is that? Nope. Okay, fine. Pre-recording. Hi. Welcome to classical stuff you should know. That somehow was better than the one you just did. So a podcast about <laughs> classical education. <laughs> <laughs> that is how we. That, that's, that's how the three of us sound to most people. You oh, understand that, right? I guess so. Okay. Anyway, so my name is Graham Dawson, and I am here with Thomas Magby. Hello. And Arthur Young Hannenberg. What was that pause for? Because he was he was trying to do the nose thing. I was trying to figure out. You're you're grab. I mean, do they grab noses I differently agree. from Canada? It looked like a goose was reaching over your shoulder <laughs> to grab your nose. And well, I didn't want to knock my, my knock my microphone. Oh, that makes more sense because I'm a professional, Thomas. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, even though you can't pre-record Used your one yeah. word to describe myself. Yeah, but what I am professional would be the word fellas, boys, brothers. What I am is perplexed. It's kind of perplexed. Well, thank you. I don't really know what I'm doing with, with your life. Yes. In, um, we watch presidential debates yeah. uh, in our rhetoric wow. class okay. and we, we let our, we, we play what's called presidential debate fallacy bingo. And we let our students uh, fill out a sheet of logical fallacies. And every time that during a presidential debate, some nominee does a logical fallacy, they're allowed to cross it off. And the first one to get bingo gets some sort of prize. It's usually a pretty nice prize. But there was that one debate who I can't remember who he was, um, but it was I think it was like in the late 80s or early 90s. Who am I? And, hmm? That one? Who am I? Why am I? Yeah, here? yeah. And they, and they told him, you know what? People don't really know who you are. So why don't you punch up the debate by by starting off by saying, who am I? Why am I here? Admiral so, Stockdale? Admiral Stockdale. So this old admiral, so they're, you know, it's a sort of regular debate. And then they're like, and uh, Mr. Admiral Stockdale. And he goes, who am I? Why am I here? And everyone was like. They start laughing like They right start away. laughing yeah, at yeah, him. Yeah. It didn't really land the way he wanted it to land. So we talk about this in terms of like, if you're not funny and you can't have things land, don't try to force it. So when you um, watched the 2016 presidential elections, how much fun? Oh my word! You all don't use those. We don't use right. we don't use the Trump Watch Hillary debates because it was just mainly ad hominem. Yeah, um, it's, there's not a variety of fallacies on that one. There's a um, lot of red herring and a lot of like just personal attack. And on the on the Republican primaries, when we watch those, we also have a clause saying anytime someone makes reference to Reagan, you're allowed to like do a little <laughs> a like tick or a free spa or something because it happens all the time. <laughs> anyway, um, but Thomas, you were going to be talking to us about E. F. Schumacher, a guide to to the perplexed. Have we done a podcast on Schumacher yeah, we before? Sure have. So. I, I'm not going to spend a ton of time on who Schumacher is himself or an introduction to the book. No, but have we? We have. Oh, we have. Yeah. Okay. So if uh, listener, if you want to go back and hear more about the man himself, you can go back to our episode on Adequatio or Adequatio. Adequatio. If you want to hear us giggling about how funny that word is for like 40 minutes, then boy, oh boy, do I have something in store for you. I'm sold. <laughs> I, I can't wait. Great. That's what I'm doing on my drive home. <laughs> just listening to our giggling yeah. for great. You'll have a wonderful time. Did we make a joke that it sounds like a Harry Potter spell? Yes, we did. We made the joke many times. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just being funny. It's hilarious. So uh, the book is A Guide for the Perplexed. That is an homage to an earlier book by Maimonides, um, the famous famous Jewish scholar, uh, also called A Guide for the Perplexed. Uh, Schumacher's project, and this is his opening chapter, uh, is to talk about 
philosophical maps. He uh, He's addressing this to people who have had education, but have had no framework for how to put all of these things together. And so that's what the Guide for the Perplexed is for. What we covered on our... So you mean modern education. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so this book com- came out in the 70s. I think 1971 is the... Uh, 77, 1977 was when the, this book came out. So, yes, that would be modernity. When does modernity begin? It'd be, Man, I think it's um, 1867. What are you thinking? Okay. I'm just picking a date. You just picked a number. No, I, I think there's there's an era. I can figure it out. I think about Crystal Palace. I think of the Crystal... I've talked about how the... Um, uh, the Crystal Palace Fair in England with uh, Queen Victoria and Prince, whatever his name is. What? Um, Queen Victoria's husband who inaugurates the, the Crystal Palace Fair. Uh, I've, I've read that quote on the podcast before. Oh, yes. No, that would be modernism. That, that to me is kind of like Marx's idea of, we, of, the, of there's a global economy and we're all working towards sort of the flourishing of the global economy. Okay. That's how I... Google would, says modern yeah. era is 1500 to 1800. I accept this. 1815 I think... Oh, so, they, they, so then they would say that what I was describing was something postmodern or after that. Probably. Okay. Thanks, yeah. Googs. We're to, I'm trying to look in um, a book that we've reviewed previously on this podcast, something they will not forget. I think Gibbs, is, Gibbs puts it from the printing press until World War One. And then 1914, the first world war shatters the enlightenment myth of perpetual progress. The postmodern world is born. So anyway, I can get behind that. That one was for free. Okay. So Schumacher is trying to give people philosophical maps for how to understand the world around them. He starts off in discussing levels of being. This was covered on our last podcast. So this is just our, this is me breezing through things that you can listen to another episode. If you want to get the full information, the levels of being uh, surround themselves with different materials and how they relate to one another. So um, minerals or uh, things that are not alive are the lowest level of being. Plants uh, are a step above mineral. They have this thing called life. What do they surround themselves with? Surround them. Uh, you said they, they, these levels of being surround themselves with things. Weed. <laughs> Thank you. What do rocks surround themselves with? Uh, surround, what, Moss? Uh, sorry, each level has like different attributes. Oh. So mineral has material. Uh, plant above that has material plus life animal above that has material plus life plus consciousness man above that has material plus uh, life plus consciousness plus self-consciousness so there is a increasing level of complexity we're all (laughs) self-conscious but seriously he kind of talks about that of it's it's a blessing and a curse but we are we both know what we are doing but also can second guess ourselves which can be good and horrible. Mm-hmm. So there's increasing levels of complexity there. We then talked about um, adequateness. That's that funny word, adequatio, adequatio, adequatio. Uh, that for us to know anything, we must have uh, the exact quote, knowing demands the organ fitted to the object. We must be made adequate to a, a, a book, made adequate to a piece of art, made adequate to music to get something out of it. That is the five-minute version of a one-hour episode that we've already done. So... Sorry to everyone who suffered through the one hour when we could have just done that. I'm skipping over a big section in the middle where he talks about four fields of knowledge. We'll probably come back to that at some point. And we're picking up in the last chapter of the book. Um, So let's get at this topic this way. He opens with 
uh, two examples, and we'll do the second one. Gentlemen, what is the perfect ideal form of education? What is the perfect ideal form of education? That machine in the matrix. That machine in the matrix where you oh, plug you, in your brain and you, you download it, and then you know kung fu. Whoa, I know kung fu, or whatever he's. That machine also appears in Battlefield Earth, for anyone who's wondering. The same, Seriously? The same machine? Kind of. It's supposed to be a language machine, but also, hey, it turns out it teaches you pretty much everything else, too, and... Is this a shared universe or is it just... It's not a shared copied? universe. Oh, never mind. I, I, I mean, if anybody copied, it was the Matrix copying from Battlefield Earth. Um, is Battlefield, wait, is Battlefield Earth that really bad movie? Yeah. It's, so it's the um, it's Scientology. Scientology guy. The, yeah, it's um, real bad. Okay. L. Ron Hubbard. Hubbard. That's what I was trying yep. to think of. Yeah. <clears throat> so the ideal form of education yeah, must form? be mimicking, mimesis. Mimesis. We've talked about that word a few times. Is so, it? Is that the answer? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, we've talked about mimesis being <laughs> that the teacher sets an example for... I'm not affirming or denying. Graham, we're exploring this I'm together. I'm self-conscious, apparently. And you apparently are very <laughs> self-conscious. He doesn't, just, he doesn't want to let you, make you be embarrassed because my answer was so good. <laughs> I'm sorry, that you referenced, the, the language downloading machine is better than mimesis? <laughs> you referenced the Scientology propaganda <laughs> film. <laughs> I referenced The Matrix first, oh, first which was a well, shining a, gem in Hollywood. AJ, as a Scientologist, would, of course, <laughs> reference L. Ron Hubbard first, so I figured that made... Can we start rumors on this podcast? Oh, I would. Okay. Sure. I regret this moment. Okay, so... Okay, that was an answer, so... That was awkward funny. That was funny. <laughs> hey, I didn't read this review last time, but can I read this review now? Because we're already, oh, the, off, we're already the, off topic, and aww. it doesn't matter anyway. This is, my, this is what you get for getting me off topic, which is what the whole point of this podcast is. Okay, so, uh, love... This, the title of this review, Waiting for Donaldson. <laughs> love Graham's sense of humor and insights, but those long pauses while he tries to align brain with mouth triggers my anxiety to the point where I need to pop a Xanax. But other than that slight annoyance, I still recommend this wonderful podcast to all who listen. Five stars. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? Well, I mean, (laughs) I just think. Stop. I hate this so much. Hey, just uh, so that I don't make Donaldson feel like the worst of us. This I thought was the funniest review as to where I rank as the for the three of us. This is our most recent review titled The Best. Donaldson taught me investing. I sat in on Hannenberg's English class freshman year a lot. NBs was always in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> that was a former five student. stars. Five stars. Yeah, exactly. All but, right, sorry, Thomas. We were getting off track. No, we were perfectly on track. The orders of being. We're oh. always very perfectly on oh, track. The best form of education. Best form of education. Thank you. So, Graham gave an answer. AJ, would you like to give an answer that is not Scientology related? Mm. Can you? Are you capable of an answer that is non Scientology? Best form of education yes. is, I would say. Student self-discovery, but it depends on the virtue of the student. Interesting. Okay. So we want the student to have kind of an internal self-motivation and find uh, treasures, I guess, of education. Much of my job, like I can tell a kid as much as I want, but chances of them actually carrying that into adulthood are slim. So if If you just tell them. If it isn't me instilling virtue, it would be ideal if the kid had the virtue on their own and then their education would come unbidden, right? They would seek out the good. Okay. So then let me... Okay. I... Did not expect us to start here, but so here is, here's a quote from this chapter. If I'm hearing you all correctly, would you all agree that this is education? Uh, The educator is like a good gardener whose function is to make available healthy, fertile soil in which a young plant can grow strong roots. Through these, it will extract the nutrients it requires. The young plant will develop in accordance with its own laws of being, which are far more subtle than any human can fathom, and will develop best when it has the greatest possible freedom to choose exactly the nutrients it needs. Yes. Oh. Yeah, yeah. 
Tell me more. <laughs> AJ's pointing to himself because I think you want, a, show, you want a, point? a point. Is that yep. okay? Can I have a point? Are there any weaknesses to this? Uh, so, uh, you know, so the three of us are sitting in this room, but, you know, we have our listeners who some of them are yelling at their uh, 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 Walkman. That's how everyone listens to this podcast, right? With their mm-hmm. Walkman. Mm-hmm. On their what, ha- the people who are yelling at us right now, what are they What are they responding? I would say that if it was me, like we, that is best case scenario for education where every seed wants to grow. Uh, right. Many of those seeds are still in the tree and have not yet fallen into the soil. Many have fallen into the soil, soil and said, to heck with your soil. I want to go be a duck and have nothing to do with your growing place. Right. And also I hate the gardener. I hate his stupid face and he doesn't like me either. And nothing is going well in this horrible garden. Sure. Right. So I guess that's, yeah, it's fine as an ideal, but practically the, the way our modern education is set up, it's not usually that. Sure. Or let's take it a different way. What if the student is super motivated, but they only want to read trying to think of an embarrassment. What's a, they only want to read the hunger games or they only like, they are super motivated, but they only care about young adult dystopian. Well, that's, that's the teacher providing the soil, right? So that like the soil there is bad. So, but if it's basically what, what we want the students engaged in that material. So one way to do that is to lower the level of the material, right? So that it's at the level they are instead of slightly above and challenging them. Right. Right. So would we say that's a good thing to only ever be at the level of the student? Graham looks like he's no because um, those lower form, those lower arts, those lower forms of of literature don't have enough in them to for the soul to wrestle with in order and and um, in order in order to yeah there's my brain now I'm self conscious about thinking too much <laughs> sorry um, but the, those books don't have enough thinking. in them they don't that have enough gave tr- us a five star review that's true let me Fair just point. remind you yes so the soul those books don't have enough in them for the soul to wrestle with for the higher virtues and the higher um, person to be formed mm-hmm. um, like the adventure story is only only touch touches on so many shades of a person. So like sure. uh, the, the characters are shallow or you have a character in there whose only job is to be the foil or the, or the, the antagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas when you have better pieces of literature, and we've talked about this a lot, mm-hmm. you have enough for the person to spend a lifetime wrestling with. Like, um, um, I guess like, there's enough to, to be able to say, ah, Odysseus on his journey home has enough of me to contemplate and wrestle with, with the idea of the ideal type than Katniss Everdeen fighting the bad guys. Sure. So I think tying this in, the that first view that we just that I just read the description of, uh, teachers are good gardeners, there's soil that we put them in, the young plant grows according to his or her internal uh, laws like they, they will grow up just by being in good soil all of that is student focused which is good students are great we love students it kind of ignores the content that's being taught right there's nothing in that in that answer that says you're giving them things that are great beautiful well, doesn't it say no, provide I think, good soil yeah i think that the soil of the metaphor is that you've provided the, the, the environment for the soul or the seed to grow mm-hmm. in accordance with its nature mm-hmm. 
So the content that you're using is is the is the the good soil of the garden. This is interesting. I, so the answer I thought you would give was something closer to this. And then tell me tell me how you feel on this quote. You can't box us in, Maggie. I know. This I keep trying, but you won't fall for my tricks. Okay. Education is the process by which existing culture is passed on from one generation to the next. Those who have or are presumed to have knowledge and experience teach, and those who as yet lack knowledge and experience learn. For this process to be effective, authority and discipline must be set up. I need that too. Um, that sound, so it sounds like two different ways of going about defining education. One is like the nice metaphor about you know letting the the plant grow, and the mm-hmm. other one is the utilitarian one that we just read from the manual, right? Interesting. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's totally utilitarian because there is something the the first quote we went through says nothing of authority and discipline because right. the kid in the right environment that's the soil and desires or naturally does it it will naturally be a good student who will read whatever is put before them engage with the material and grow and develop as is natural to their soul but even when you're growing trees and plants you need to have a trellis for your beans you need Mm -hmm. to have you you need to stake a new tree uh i was gonna say the the way you solve that is you add the gardener with a good set of pruning shears it goes about providing good soil right so you just have ways to snip off those little parts that are going wrong that's right it's funny because when i read soil i'm not think i'm thinking environment of like the school is a place they like to be more so than the books themselves it's where they get all the nutrients uh, yes, the soil, but, but also again, from that first one, the, through these, the seed will extract the nutrients it requires. Mm. Like the, it's the seed that is getting what they need from around them. Mm-hmm. Again, but it's, the it's stuff a, around them is if, if the soil is rather like the material, then they're getting the, you know, again, I just, I think one view focuses on the student, which is good and important. And another answer focuses on the content itself. That's all. That's the only very, very minor point. Well, the content itself or also the, the transmission of a tradition. Yes. And so that, that tradition has to be mediated somehow. Mm-hmm. So that would be either the teacher mimesis, which we talk about, or the books themselves. Like yeah. we care. Were, were you trying to make a really simple point and we have simply belabored it? Is that what happened? Uh, that's You've described our podcast in one <laughs> sentence. But uh, so, no, this is an introduction. This conversation matters to where we'll go from here. Because... Um, it's no good just to say like, well, we need to get our kids reading. Yeah. And so we need to find the thing that the kid likes mm-hmm. and kids like, I went to the library, I got a book of farts. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, great. <laughs> uh, and we're like, well, at least he's reading. I've never bought that as like a, as, as a win. That's not a win that at you least he's so? reading cause he's reading a book on farts. Not really. Because if, if your, if your options are, they read no books or they read one book on farts, you'd rather they read no books. Why are those the only two options? Because I set that up that way. No, no, because the third option is they read the books that are good that we've assigned. <laughs> good. But some anyway, th- this this then literally is a tangent, but not everyone in maybe our, maybe in our environment everyone will read those no. books. No. Why do French children like stinky cheese? Because they are given stinky That's cheese from a young age. Because they're given stinky cheese from a young age and and it actually I, tastes good. I when I started eating cheese or when I, when I wanted to, or when I realized that there was better food in this world than going to Applebee's or whatever, actually we don't have Applebee's in Canada. I've actually never even been to an Applebee's. You are um, not missing out. But we've got, uh, what's that, uh, free breadsticks place? Free breads? Oh, Olive Garden. Olive Garden. Yeah, we got sure. that in Canada. Yeah. All right. So like when I realized there was better Italian food restaurant. than Olive Garden, you go and you actually have to unlearn food habits when you start eating better food. Sure. So eventually that kid is going to have to unlearn fart books mm-hmm. if he is actually ever going to get enjoy the real books. Just like 
Whereas the French ch- child enjoys stinky cheese because that's all they get. Right. And if they don't want it, then they go hungry. Right. Um, during snack time or whatever. So I kind of feel like there's an analogy to that as well, which is um, give them the hard books and like have a teacher who can teach them and make them relevant and alive to the student as opposed yes. to be like, we need to get him reading on just whatever he wants and then he's just going to go with sort of the lowest common denominator. Sure. I guess what I'm reacting to in my surprise and hearing you all start with that first quote that I read, but actually is the second quote in this book, is I would associate that with more of a Montessori method mm-hmm. of self-discovery. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. so, again, literally, the teacher is not a teacher. It's the teacher is guiding them. And yeah. like, you're trying to do this. You know, why don't you try it this way? I think in our method, we are playing a lot more emphasis on the role of the gardener than the it's, Montessori one does. The Montessori is more thing. like a zookeeper. But I would say a, a traditional a zookeeper. That's a fair analogy. The a traditional Catholic, uh, Catholic. Wow. That was a, okay. A traditional classical method would say that what is, Oh, we're busted. Yeah, no. Oh no. Uh, no. Wait, did you like that email we got about like, why are y'all talking about saints all the time? Yeah. Protestant? I am a Protestant. <laughs> I'm a Protestant. And so is he. All three of us are Protestants. Why are you talking about, why are Protestants talking about saints? That yeah, was great. Email. Yeah. We'll talk about it later. I don't know if we will probably when I do Bonhoeffer, eventually we'll talk about, Protestant saints. I gotcha. Um, but uh, where was I? A key component of classical education is the material itself. Like the books yes. themselves matter. The content that is taught matters. Uh, this is some of the, this is all tangent. So sorry, listener. Hope you enjoy this. So it is helpful to have the um, Dorothy Sayers reimagining of classical education, but that is not the entirety of classical education. The entirety of classical education is not a method of it's not a pedagogy. Grammar, it's not just a pedagogy. Grammar, logic, rhetoric. It's act. It's the actual material itself. Yes. Which historically would have been the the teaching of a class that is rhetoric, a class that is grammar, a class that is logic. Yeah. Because that makes like that's all I'm. The material itself matters mm-hmm. in a classical um, pedagogy, and so it's just interesting to hear you all are classical educators following under a Montessori definition. Tell me that my categories are bad. A Montessori is more, is like anemic classical. Like Montessori is, is a lot of classical methodology, but without the content, without the classical content. Yeah. Um, but cause, but we don't have the self discovery in the same way of like, let the child figure out what they want to do. I also have, this is probably going to showcase my lack of knowledge of the Montessori method, but we do have a lot of, students coming to conclusions through guided conversation through the Harkness conversation. Right. Um, but yeah, I was going to say in my senior class in English, that's mostly what I do is say, okay, you talk. And if you get stuck, I have good questions for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think I had a stereotype of Montessori, but then after having, we have kids at our church that are at part of Montessori schools and they are well-spoken and they are curious and like, there's a lot of good to that method. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want to just totally bash that. That's, I almost appreciate that you all, I think view yourselves more that way. Yes. Plus the material that you're teaching. I think the classical education movement and the Montessori movement are closer in kind. We're like cousins so that we, and since we're in the same family, we can be more, more critical of each other. Whereas, classical education and more sort of progressive public school education are so far different that that there's there's not a lot of like even currency yeah, yeah. Sure. so it's more like um, um, you can be more critical of of not critical but um, um, they're both against the system yeah right? because we're sort of both outside the, the main system where yep. we can um, we uh, we can quibble over the details right. but we're both but I would but we're both 
um, doing, uh, speaking from my bias, we're both doing better than than sort of the the inherited Dewey, uh, John Dewey system that's kind of turned into this monstrosity of of, of uh, um, sort of you know state mm-hmm. state education has kind of become a handmaiden of well, whatever. We don't need to get. We're into turning that. into conspiracy theory podcast again. It's not a theory. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, so where are we right now? So we're 25 minutes in on these two different types of education that we think we might've reconciled, but it, can we acknowledge there's some type of tension there between putting, yes, putting totally. forth that the content is the most important or yeah. the student is most yes, important. There's a tension. There's definitely a tension for sure. And even you all probably feel that in your classroom to say, at some points you'll have to say student you're wrong yes we fall yeah. in the classical movement we fall down we side more if there's push and shove content is the is the the guider the the, the one that guides or the, the the north star yeah but then let's take so we education we've talked about leave that in one category there we have two different methods that we've just acknowledged there there's kind of a tension there but both are kind of good, but both are also kind of bad. Leave that in one category. Let's pick a, a different category. Let's say that I wanted to make a, the example Schumacher uses is a bicycle, but I'm sure you all will come up with a different example as I go. If I wanted to Quibbling make, about categories is what AJ and I do best. It's, it's, it is basically your job. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Uh, yes, objectively. Hamburg? Is a hot dog a sandwich? Depends on if there's mustard or there not. There you go. See, <laughs> it has nothing yeah, here to do with the go. mustard. It has to do with the bun. But it's joined. No, it doesn't matter. It's, oh. uh, it's meat surrounded and by bread. No, nope, this is important. So if Listeners, I w- email us. <laughs> nope. Please don't. Okay. What's frustrating is that this is going to be the thing we get comments <laughs> about, and no one's going to engage with the topic itself. Okay. Uh, so if I wanted to go and design a bicycle, how many different ways of making a bicycle would I come up with? Well, does uh, it still need to be a bicycle? Like, does it need to have two wheels? Yeah. It still needs two wheels. (laughs) I'm just asking. I'm, yes, I'm not. So there's (laughs) tons of ways. You could pedal with your hands. I think literally infinite. There are literally infinite, but Graham, if your first example is pedal with your hands, is that if I was looking for like an effective bicycle. That's a normal bike, Graham. You're just laying on (laughs) it wrong. Upside down. Is that? No, but, (laughs) but do you understand that if I were, so when we look at like old timey pictures of bikes, Mm -hmm. you'll sometimes have like the big wheel in the front and the little wheel in the back. Yeah. Or uh, what other old-timey bicycles are there? It's the only one that comes to mind. Or I could... They only had one type back then, apparently. I guess. But, but if I were to look at all bicycles that are available right now, mm-hmm. do they look very different or do they look no, very similar? They, we've all sort of... Similar. Yeah. But, but see how the, these are two different categories. One is a bicycle where kind of all of them look the same. I'm sure there are important differences and someone will email me about the difference of certain metals for your bi- what, bike or whatever. But there are lots of lots of bikes look the same, but there are many different types of education that are offered or many different views of education that are put out there. Many different types of schools mm-hmm. that makes sense. As two different and you're categories. asking whether or not it's the difference between a bicycle with an aluminum frame versus a wooden frame. Or is it the difference between a bicycle with like the giant wheel, little wheel? I was like, are we talking about wheel, degrees in difference or degrees in kind? I was thinking giant wheel, little wheel that we don't see that type of bicycle anymore. Bicycles have largely. Yeah converge homogenized yeah on one specific type while views on education a topic that has been debated for i don't know the history of the world and we still don't have an answer on that one sure and many different options are still offered and people will argue for each one so the three of us will sit here and graham a second ago say that um, public school is this like um we would be critical of it we'd be critical of public school but 
people could listen to this podcast. There I'm are, not critical of the idea of a public school. I'm critical of. I think there are of, people who would even defend the current way public school looks. Yeah. Right. Like who would who would violently disagree with us saying that there are like major problems. They would say yeah, there, yeah. there are minor tweaks that need to be made or whatever. Sure. Is that people will disagree um, genuinely with us on the topic of education mm-hmm. as opposed to a more technological question of like the best type of bicycle. Mm-hmm. What am I, why am I repeating this over and over again? Okay. These are two different types of problems. This mm-hmm. is what Schumacher is setting up. The name of this chapter, as I think I said before, is the two types of problems. So in this first type of problem, the more smart people, and even to look at the time, we spent three minutes talking about bicycles and 25 on education. This mm-hmm. is, this is indicative of these two types of problems that the first type converge on a solution. When you have enough smart people looking at how to solve the problem of transportation by pedaling, they come up to basically the same solution over and over again. Or when this, when one solution was presented and kind of took root and took hold, people were like, oh, we don't, we don't really need to improve upon this. Yes, exactly. Or even it's not worth improving upon. Yeah, yeah. Like you can have minor incremental changes, but it's basically kind of been solved. Like those bikes that people ride that they're, they're like really low and they're sitting and mm-hmm. they, you know those ones I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Where they're kind of like leaning back on them. Yeah, it almost looks like a rowing machine, yep. but there's, anyway. And, but also very few people probably use those. I don't mm-hmm. know. Maybe they're wonderful. Um, so those solutions have largely been solved and then moved on from, as opposed to divergent problems, that the more people think on a problem such as education, the more they will come to different Wildly solutions. different conclusions. Yes. Gotcha. The, so what are the t- two categories? Divergent convergent and... Convergent and divergent. Ah. So a convergent solution... Schumacher will put, he will include under that science, technology, like... Like a chair. Here's what a chair is. What makes yeah, a good there chair? are better and worse chairs, but basically most chairs will converge on a single type of chair. You'll have differences in aesthetics, but mm-hmm. not in like functionality, mm-hmm. is what he will say. Uh, as opposed to divergent problems, which are the big problem. I don't know, like... How do you how do you train a child? Yeah, there's a good one. Uh, Education is the big yeah. one, uh, and then politics is the second one that he'll come up with ah, and gotcha. say that the more that you think on politics, you will not come to some solution. There's there. not one sort of just around the next corner final solution that's like uh, m- makes all the problems go away. Exactly. So he what is this? So he includes so other convergent problems include um, it's any uh, we can say therefore that convergence may be expected with regard to any problem which does not involve life, consciousness, self-awareness, which means in the fields of physics, Mm -hmm. chemistry, astronomy, and also in abstract spheres like geometry and mathematics or games like chess. Those, those fields will converge on single correct solutions. Is this fair? Is anyone pushback on this one? Okay. But then his point is that problems that fall in the sphere of divergent problems break down into two fundamental categories. Um, can you all think of some grouping that I could, so if I were to describe, um, now I feel badly calling it classical versus Montessori, but I use those as shorthands for the conversation we just had. Mm-hmm. But is there some way of just like, what is, uh, the, the one that is more, um, focused on the material passing on of specific tradition. content mm-hmm. at, uh, traditional is what uh, that would be one way to describe that as opposed to a free form self-discovery. So you're saying conservative and liberal are the two main categories. That's a way to do it. I wasn't, um, one based on one is more more freedom. One is based on more strictures, conserving a tradition and passing it on. One is based on the, the, the user or the, or the students, um, liberating him or herself through learning. Yeah. I'm glad you 
gave more examples than just the bike. I feel like the bike is an unfair analogy oh. because the bike is a near perfect machine, right? Interesting. Like it's it's true. It's one of the most efficient machines that man has ever created from getting point to point A to point B. But it I think that's the point. Conserves. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the point, but, but like, but like physics, geometry, those are more helpful. Yeah. Those are more helpful because it's, none of those are totally perfect machines. We'll, we'll hopefully eventually converge, but there are really big varying theories out there right now, especially about like the nature of the universe as far as like string theory and totally. But I'm saying, so like, um, so in physics, uh, uh, if I want to calculate force, it is mass times acceleration. There's no, it is a solvable thing. There's no question about that. If I I, can calculate it a different way, but it's not going to be, but even if you, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) The correct way to calculate it times four and it's not going to be anything. If I want to do a chemical equation and I do my stoichiometry and balance both sides, I have solved that equation. Sure. Um, and I'm oversimplifying, but those are questions with answers to them. I guess, but there's also like, if you put a child in a room and try and teach him, but you're also filling that room with like argon gas or you were also playing really loud. What kind of school are you running yeah, over here? Seriously, or, or, what is or, or helium, so everyone's <laughs> talking really high. Or, um, or if you, while the child is learning, you've got like death metal blaring in the speakers. There is that that would be less efficient than any other model. Like there are still oh interesting. There are, there are better still and worse. better and worse ways of doing things. So it's not completely yeah. divergent. Yeah, and we've we've convert like usually it's a student and a teacher. Sure. Somehow interacting. Yes. And they're like, we're, we're someone, small differences. Someone but. who knows and someone who's learning. Yeah. Anyway, we're, we're quibbling. No, no, I like that. No, no, this is interesting. So, so maybe even within a big field like education, there are some things we agree on, but then still lots of things we disagree on. And maybe even in politics, we would say rule of law is important. Property rights are important. Um, uh, following laws is important. But like, then we have wild disagreements after that. Of, yes. What, therefore, what law should we pass? Mm-hmm. Was that right? Was I that think fair? so. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there are points of agreement there. Yeah, I'm just glad you clarified oh, a little bit more because the bike is a. It's it's tough to get better than the bike, man. That's what a great machine. But that's, yeah, yeah. And and same with. I, I don't know why why am I rehashing this? No, no, no I, I I get it. Like okay. converging that, makes sense. I'm on board. Especially yeah, a convergent a convergent problem should have a perfect solution that mm-hmm. um, better solves whatever. Um, so we used a few words right there. Schumacher will say that the two categories he uses, he has two, he has two different names for them. One is growth versus decay. And I don't really like that one. His other one is freedom versus order that Mm -hmm. in divergent Mm -hmm. problems, you will have an option that leans more toward freedom and you'll have one option that leans more toward order. So again, in our education example, the student focused would be focused more on freedom self-discovery, they can kind of do whatever they want to, to learn something as opposed to authority and discipline, teach the content, uh, order, getting that passed on from one generation to the next. Donaldson, you well, like you it's just, you make, you make the second one sound so sort of draconian. Like when you say order, um, it doesn't just mean teach the content and like ensure that they do it. Mm-hmm. There's also the sense of that, a rightly ordered soul mm-hmm. is needed for freedom. I don't know. Like, I, I think interesting. <clears throat> I think there you're you're sort of getting stuck on the polarity. Well, there the truth is that there's a continuum there, right? It doesn't have to be draconian to be orderly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and, I describe it that way. Mm-hmm. That's what Graham is saying, mm-hmm. and I think that's fair. Is that it? Order does not. I'm listening to uh, this. Is sorry, this is wild tangent on recommendation from a coworker here. I'm going through uh, the rise and fall of the Third Reich. So like the w- history of World War II. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
And so that's a story of order being used in a really bad way. Totally. Because that's bouncing in my head right now mm-hmm. of like the dangers of a well-oiled machine toward an evil end. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's maybe that's what mm-hmm. you're hearing right now. Order does not have to be evil. Yeah, and, and freedom is not... The freedom always that you're describing where the kid gets either. to do whatever he wants is also not... Uh, so that's kind of... So again, and maybe also what I'm reacting to is that he pairs these. Growth is is paired with freedom. Order is paired with decay. And what he means... Yeah, bogus. <laughs> but what he's getting at is that... So um, imagine a... Um, an ecological system where there are no predators and the world only in that um, whatever lives there only grows. You reach a point where the environment cannot sustain Correct. whatever is just growing yeah. forever. Um, but in, so at some level you need the colony collapses eventually. Exactly. And so then everything dies because whatever, I don't know, animal social order. That's or always been my excuse as to why I don't even need to clean out the fridge. Just eventually the yogurt <laughs> colony, <laughs> but it, there's nothing left. They'll, They'll pitch other. little battles yeah, and yeah. we'll look in and find the one <laughs> singular winner, let them grow until there's no more food. And that's right. It's terrifying. Um, but then, so that's then what order is doing. Order is saying that there are like limits to how far is appropriate growth. And I even, you and that was appropriate growth, but also it's limiting what is learned or ingested right like don't give them craft singles give them fancy cheese you say that i mm, i had a um isn't that is is that not fair no no it's very fair but what i today just today listener as we're recording this i had a grilled cheese that had um oh what's that disgusting cheese that you don't have to um crafting a velveta velveta a velveta grilled cheese and it comes in a can i mean it's a box thank you very much and it It is boxed i confirm it was wonderful anyway hey velveta is it was delicious. I, I can't decry the product. So Velveeta, if you want to send a sweatshirt, if you're listening. Or sponsor this, right? Yeah, get yeah. your daily also, dose Also, we've been pitching plastic. the Montessori thing. So Austin School for Wizards, if you want to send me a sweatshirt, like I am you're into the wizarding school. I would I would kill for a wizarding school you shirt. to this podcast? I don't know, man. I hope, I hope a lot I think, of them. I think all of our listeners might be wizards. <clears throat> okay. So where are we right now? There are There's a fundamental tension between these two things, between freedom and order specifically is what he's getting at. And that you can't solve that problem, that those two things will be in tension. Mm-hmm. Even what we've said so far, I'm containing it to the education sphere because I don't really want to talk about politics, but it applies in both spheres that you actually kind of need both. That there's some level of... <laughs> Graham is shaking his head. No, 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 no. I'm thinking like this is maybe the tension of like dialectic analytic yes. um, that you need to have, or if you want to even be biblical, so, Jeremiah is tearing down and building up. Yes. And that's all those things, all these are tied together. Mm-hmm. So you, in an education, again, just to focus it there, you need both some level of freedom because you want students engaged learning. And there is something like natural to them, to most of them that wants to learn, but then you need order as well, that they need to learn what it is to love the right things, pursue the right things. And they might not get there on their own. Mm-hmm. So these two things end up being intention. Any, we agree. We're good with this. Okay. Schumacher will then have an interesting idea that, so these two things are intention. And I think one way of understanding that is to say, well, therefore there'll always be intention and we can't do anything about it. Like there will be freedom people and order people. And those two people will always disagree with one another. And so we'll always have different types of education systems. We'll always disagree about the right type of education system. And we just live with that until the end of time, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a bummer. Is that kind of a bummer? That is kind of a bummer. Well, the freedom people are wrong, so. <laughs> but they're but Just they're not kidding. right. I'm excited about where I think this is going. 
I don't know where you, I don't know where you think it's going because we're, we're going to see how it pans out. I can almost guarantee it's not going there. Okay. So what Schumacher will say is that there's actually something above freedom and order that will dictate how we pick one versus the other. So if we if to right, right rightly understood, we need both of them. Is it enneagram number? Uh, yes, it, oh, <laughs> enneagram eights need to run. That's not true. That's, no, it has nothing to do with enneagram. Um, did they even know? Anyway, the Enneagram kind of came around in the 50s, but it, anyway. Is the Enneagram real? Anyway. Okay, so... Evagrius. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I said to you about the <laughs> Desert Fathers. Okay. I'll just read this quote here because I'm rambling and I need this to refocus me. Uh, in the life of societies, there is the need for both justice and mercy. Justice without mercy, said Thomas Aquinas, is cruelty. Mercy without justice is the mother of disillusion, a very clear identification of a divergent problem. Justice is a denial of mercy, and mercy is a denial of justice. Only a higher force can reconcile those opposites. Wisdom. The problem cannot be solved, but wisdom can transcend it. Similarly, societies need stability and change, tradition and innovation, public interest and private interest, planning and laissez-faire, order and freedom, growth and decay. Everywhere society's health depends on the simultaneous pursuit of mutually opposed activities or aims. The adoption of a final solution means a kind of death sentence for man's humanity and spells either cruelty or disillusion, and generally both. So, I mean, there needs to be a cycle, is what he said. Or there needs to hogwash. be like a... Like a <laughs> I like the answer. Like it's like an ecosystem. Like there's growth, there's decay, there needs no, to I be... No, I think he would say that there... I think there's an ideal balance of the two... And we get to and that it's mediated by wisdom, mediated by wisdom. And I, I might even, he does not make the statement. Uh, AJ disagrees. I'm excited. Um, he does not make the statement. I would say that instead of wisdom, he would better be better served to use the word prudence, um, which is a um, vir- virtue. Mm-hmm. Like the, the answer to this is that there are two things in tension and we need a virtue to understand the right amount of each of those things to bring in. Okay. The wise garden. St- I still say hogwash. Good. Why do you say hogwash? You, you, you said you were excited. So where you clearly thought this was going a very I thought it was going somewhere else. And that's why I say hogwash. Good. He, he has said that we, we don't have to choose between the two, but we need some sort of prudence to like pick little bits from both sides and, uh, and, and like, we do maintain them, them in tension. Totally. I think that's based on a fundamental interest, uh, mis- uh, like misunderstanding mm-hmm. of how these two things interact. Right. I, I don't, I don't think they are in tension. And I think that's what Graham has been driving at this mm. whole time is that order and freedom mm-hmm. when unified mm-hmm. bring perfect peace, right? Perfect. Yeah. A perfectly ordered life brings both. freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Right. A through order, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Sure and, and a perfectly free life mm-hmm. is only achieved through order, right? Mm-hmm. So those two are, can only be completely functional when in practiced completely yeah. in tandem. And right. I, and then like he even said, like self-interest mm-hmm. and interest of the group, mm-hmm. right? To truly like, pursue self-interest you mm-hmm. have to pursue the interest of the group because right. if you only pursue self-interest you will end up like stranded and alone and with nothing totally. and then if you want to pursue the interest of the group sometimes that means pursuing the interest of self right mm-hmm. so like they are not perfectly in tension i think it's just a misunderstanding of these these opposites right to say they're opposites but we need something above them to kind of pick and choose them mm-hmm. is to misunderstand what they are i can give you an example okay. so i don't have the freedom currently in my life right now to sit down and effortlessly play a piano. Sure. When I see people who can, I think to myself, man, be awesome. how great would that be just to sit there? And it is and it is a type of freedom, the freedom to be able to just sit and play. The only way that you get there is if you have the discipline mm-hmm. and you have the order, mm-hmm. you have an ordered life in order to discipline yourself, to mm-hmm. learn and to practice. Mm-hmm. So 
the discipline, the order begets freedom. Yes. But you also need a certain degree of freedom in your life in order to apply the discipline. I mm-hmm. couldn't apply the discipline if I had no freedom of time, if yeah. I had no ability to um, to dedicate a half an hour every day to this. Mm-hmm. So these things, yeah, they, they, I don't know if saying that their intention is the right way to, to phrase it, that these things have to work together. Same thing with appear intention. The same with justice and mercy. Um, or maybe maybe justice and mercy is more of attention, but it's attention that finds its rest or that finds its its perfection in in God. That circle gets squared mm-hmm. uh, somehow. That's sort of right. the mystery it, they are, of they mystery are only of the, the best cross. when they work together. But with with yeah, we're all with, agree- I think we're all agreeing with each other because even uh, what Aquin- Aquinas's point is that justice without mercy or mercy without justice is uh, uh, tyranny. Yes, is is miserable, mm-hmm. and so you do need both. I agree with that, but. To say it's an illusion is to say that there's no actual disagreement between Republicans and Democrats. Well, it's no because actual di- disagreement between Montessori and classical. No actual disagreement between pick your. It's because there. It's because both of those sides are focusing on one, maybe to the detriment of the other. Yes, and that, that's and his that's point. your point yeah. is that it's wisdom. But yeah, yeah. there's something that like transcends uh, saying only order is good or only uh, freedom is good. Yeah, AJ, I agree with you that those are that is a weakened position to say only one is good. You do in fact need both. But we need a way to understand how much of both, right? I, I think using using freedom and order is a is confuddling the issue mm. because those two are best when com- practice practice both completely and to their fullness and together, mm-hmm. right? Whereas I think some of the other tensions you're talking about, right? So like classical so versus Montessori, sure. yeah. that's a true tension. We can't pra- like those are not both brought into their fullness when practiced at the same time. They mm-hmm. they are two different pedagogy methods and cannot be practiced at the same time. Does that yeah, make sense? It does. I think so. I'm, so like the whole freedom order thing is kind of confuddling. I think it's, I think we're, so these are two conversations. One's happening one level above the mm-hmm, other. So mm-hmm. at the level of tactics and like, um, actual beliefs, there are disagreements. I'm talking one level above that. It, it's like, um, you have to understand your principles for why you believe one thing or another. Like, do you make a decision based on the cost of a policy? Do you make your decision based on human suffering? Like, you know, like, mm-hmm how you make that uh, um, uh, selection. And that's the level where order and freedom exists. It's that level above. And so then you say, do I value order more or do I value freedom more? And then that will influence what type of education system or what type of Like we we don't let our kids choose the books we read. Correct. So there's a level of order We create a curriculum. Right. So at that decision, we've, we've decided that that decision is going to be order. Right. But in the way that the classroom is run, we allow students to follow down little rabbit trails that to some people coming into the classroom think that it's maybe a waste of time or mm-hmm. maybe it's it's a bad idea, like especially ninth grade, right? When remember what like they argued about like different kinds of grass and you had to step in and Oh my gosh. Wait, really? And um, Yeah, they're like, Well, it depends on if it's Babylonian or Egyptian grass. I was like, No, it doesn't. <laughs> We're gonna get back to the actual conversation. Was that this year? That's no, an that actual was, quote. That was oh, years, years ago. ago. But it's just because sort of become the joke of so then there, there's there's then that's a freedom thing, but then the order needs to come in. But what you're saying is that AJ represents the wisdom of how freedom and order should work together in which the is classroom. The, that's the end point to get to. Of uh, So it's all about the teacher. Yeah, sure. Which I guess is a point we've made many times. But just to say that... Um, or the teacher is the mm, curriculum. I don't know if I'm uh, getting there. I don't know if I'm, I would agree with that, Graham. Because, yeah. I'm trying to get to a point of saying this, this is a, I'm using education as the lens through which to understand many things. And that the fundamental point is to say, disagree. Uh, you should reject the dichotomies. You should reject the mm-hmm. choose one or choose the other Yeah. because of what AJ is saying, mm-hmm. because there's actually some underlying unifying principle mm-hmm. that I think we can actually reach agreement mm-hmm. on <clears throat> name your issue. 
um, yeah. types of education, um, views on things, um, like name your thing. I think there's more possibility for agreement if we move up, up one level, which is what AJ is saying, to the level of order and freedom is one way, growth and decay is another way to say it, to, at that level of principle. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? I think that's fair. That these principles like need each other to be, uh, to work. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 yeah, I, I still think the whole freedom and order thing is difficult. Cause like even to bring that into the educational sphere, mm-hmm. right. We, we bring freedom to the soul through helping a student correctly order that soul, but we can only help a student to correctly order that soul. If we make them free within the educational sphere to pursue their interests, mm-hmm. to, feel as though they're not being abused to right. feel as though it's not draconian. Like right. I, I cannot, I literally can't do one without the other. And so it's not a, a question of favoring. It's a question of like, sure. how do I bring both into fruition in the classroom? Can you imagine a teacher who only is ordered, who I've known some, <laughs> the, the students come in, they don't talk, they uh, receive a lecture for 50 minutes. They leave the class. There's no interaction between the two. Can you also, my class imagine, isn't that bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm clearly talking about you now. Uh, or can you imagine a class that is total freedom? The kids, mm-hmm. uh, there's no difference between the hallway and their room that they yeah. talk the entire time. The teacher can't wrangle them together. Been they leave true. having learned nothing that those two extremes do exist in listener that yeah, maybe your class. Left, on those ones, I would the say first one having learned nothing too. Yeah. Uh, uh, fair. Mm-hmm. On that one, I'd say it's a failure to understand the unification of those two principles. But on, in some instances, like a lot of the polarities mm-hmm. you mentioned, like they really are polarized yes. and, and you have to sort of find a balance between the That's two what, yes. rather than a full unification. But even uh, on those two uh, uh, hyperboles I just used, the teacher who is full order would say, look, my job is to convey this information to them. And I've done that through them being silent and listening to me for 50 minutes. While also the one on the freedom side would say, I care about relationship with the student. And so I need, I can't put any structure in place or else they will not trust me and won't talk to me and I can't minister, get to know them, whatever. Like they have reasons why they think they're right in both cases. Mm-hmm. They are, what we're saying is they're wrong. Both are wrong. I would fire both. Yeah, exactly. Both are failing in some significant way and that there's like a, a, a deeper, it's, it, I'm rejecting the simple solution of saying only order or only freedom mm-hmm. that we can actually bring those together. And it's a better solution to have both of those put together. Yes. Um, I guess what I'm driving at is that like, some some polarities are able to be completely unified in fullness Mm -hmm. and some polarities you have to pick and choose and like find a medium ground right there it's it's two different kinds of polarities and that's i don't really want to talk about this but um i do wonder about this in the political sphere as well like so there's one way of um thinking about disagreements with other people where you where your goal is compromise compromise being Graham has a position. I have a position. We each get 50% of what we want. Yes. And so mm-hmm. we both lose. Like, you know, if you get a 50% in a class, you failed that class. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm wondering if there's some way in which we each get 80. Sure. Or um, where there's some third where I come in saying, I want this specific policy. Graham wants this specific policy. And we actually throw both of those out and come up with a third mm-hmm. cooperative option. Yeah. Because what we've looked at is instead the principles of, freedom and order or growth and decay or pick your values. Is that, that's more what I'm getting at with this. Yeah. I think we're saying the same thing. I think it just depends on like, I'm not sure. I I think there might be instances where that kind of unifying principle is impossible. Mm -hmm. And so there has to be some sort of compromise, right? Yes. But, um, I'm saying, uh, Schumacher will say that the answer is found through wisdom. And again, I think prudence is a better word for that. I agree. But, um, that the cultivation of wisdom will say that some compromises are worse than others and that there are actually better options than others. So he doesn't like people that operate under a school of thought. Mm-hmm. He prefers people that are 
maybe the, the, the in the political sphere, one thing you would call them is maybe negatively you would call them pragmatists. Mm-hmm. Maybe positively you would call them statesmen. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, this idea that like there are people who go into politics that have a school of thought, mm-hmm. like. Bernie Sanders has a school of thought about how states should be, how something mm-hmm. should be run. We're not to get political on the podcast, but you know, there is somebody that has a, a school of thought about uh, here are the solutions to the common problems no matter, from this school of thought that I have. And no matter what the disagreement is, my answer is correct. is going to stay the same, and I'm going to sort of keep hammering this. Yep. Versus somebody that says, um, "I don't have a school of thought. I just want to. I just want to be able to make compromises or be able to." Uh, Oh gosh, I was going to say get make deals. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yes. Oh my word! Yeah. Yeah. I don't but you know, you see what I mean. I like, yeah. there's. I don't think that's totally fair because you're talking about two different kinds of people, and I think the like, I don't have a school of thought. I just want to like move and shake isn't necessarily an effective no, statement either. But, I think what you do you, actually have to believe things. Well, yeah, yeah. I, it is. It is actually impossible to operate outside of a school of thought. Like mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis's Abolition of Man, the, f- the second chapter was all about this, the, mm-hmm. the Tao. You cannot operate outside mm-hmm. of a, a set of values. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you are talking about people who rigidly adhere to a singular, like, a singular school and then are unwilling and, and yes. apply that school to every to, situation. To every situation. Okay. Yeah. 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 I think we're... I think we're agreeing on this. Mm-hmm. Great job, boys. We all agree. <laughs> I think so. Well which done. Means we right, put our failed, hands in the middle. Which, a lot yeah, of arguing. Good. Okay, good. Uh, on the count of three. One, okay. Ghostbusters. Graham looks confused. No, I just I just like the, this idea of um, rigidly holding to a school of thought versus not. I guess. I mean, like, what's the opposite of that? I agree, AJ. Being a bad boy, that someone, like me. That someone can't <laughs> put so. your ice in the drink second. So, <laughs> oh, wow. Drink I, first, ice second. Splashes oh, everywhere. I'm not kind of bad. That's boy. a convergent. That's, oh, You're doing the wrong oh, convergent word. solution. Yeah. But I, I feel like, yeah, I get the sense that um, you can't operate outside of a set of values. Correct. But the thing is, with when C.S. Lewis is talking about the Tao, he's saying there really is only there's there's like universal set of human values and then different people will focus in on subsets of those values so like the romans will sub will focus in completely on uh, a set of values that 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 enlarges honor and maybe diminishes mercy so what you're talking about is a a certain set of people that like overblow one of the values to insane proportions Mm -hmm. to the yeah like so if you wanted to overblow uh, uh equality in in distributions of opportunity and means and wealth in mm-hmm. a society that's a that's more of a school of thought than it is um than than, than saying i want well, i don't know i don't know what i'm sure yeah. it is more fruitful great this is where you're going it's more fruitful to look at that level of if we because val- we value mercy mercy is a thing that we value mm-hmm. but then you can't argue the tactics of that. Mm-hmm. You can, there are many ways to be merciful to name whatever group of group of people, a disadvantaged group, whatever there are many, you can be creative with solutions at the principal level, but to only argue this tactic is what must happen. Yes. There's no way of getting past that yeah, because yeah. it's, I want this tactic. I don't want this tactic. That's kind of the end of it. Yeah. As opposed to saying we agree on collective values. What do we then do with that? Yeah. Is that, that's more what I'm trying to get to. Mm hmm. Yeah, and then I mean, in the political realm, when you have people entrenched on different sides, like imagine if someone on the opposite side of a political party could get the other side's agenda passed. Yes, but they would get the credit for it. Right. You imagine that the that even though you get your agenda passed, the hatred of the other side is so strong that, that you they would, wouldn't, wouldn't want the that. agenda passed right. because right. it was done by the other guy. Right. So that, that's a whole other different petty problem. Yes. Um, but. Um, but yeah, operating at this, I mean, schools of thought. I don't know. This is an interesting question. 
I really know what, what like, my takeaway is. Your takeaway is that there are, and we're in the last five minutes, so this is perfect. Your takeaway is that there are two different types of problems. One of them are they are convergent problems, which have single solutions. Once answered, move beyond them. And then there are di- divergent problems. And those divergent ones, you should not expect unanimity on. Unanimity mm-hmm. is impossible on a divergent problem. And in the realm of the divergent, you should be comfortable talking with other people about why you believe those specific things mm-hmm. such that you can, uh, people are not idiots for disagreeing with you on the type of education, mm-hmm. like educational method they use or the, the political view that they hold mm-hmm. or insert your thing here. Mm-hmm. And that's, you are capable of conversation with other people because you have a common moral language between you. Mm-hmm. You might weight those things differently. It's what AJ is saying, but you still have a common like playing field for all those mm-hmm, values. Right. I think that's the closest. Thank you, right? And then the final takeaway is that the bike is a near perfect machine. Bike is a perfect machine. Awfully nice in the yeah. fall if when the colors are changing. If you are listening to this while cycling, wow. you, you've had a perfect day. No, really. Like, uh, go look it up. It's something like 98% energy <laughs> conversion. In, like, converting energy to work, it's like 98%. Cool. The bicycle is insane as far as efficiency of cool. maintenance of work. Looks like a gas-powered car is only like 30 or 40. Like, yeah, yeah, a bike is like 98%. Cool. It's crazy. The Dutch got it figured out. <laughs> yeah, for real. Did they invent the... No, but no. they... Look it up. The math on those yeah. things is insane. All right, that's all I got. Well, this has been classical stuff you should know. If you have any questions, concerns, or comments, please email us at classicalstuff at veritasacademy.net. Uh, what was the other thing that we were like, oh, crap, this is going to be their big takeaway that they need to email From us? today? Yeah. You're like they're not going to get anything else. All they're going to all they're going to email us about is this, whatever that was 40 <laughs> minutes ago. Please email us about that. Uh, you can tweet at us. About bicycle? At, was it about bicycle designs, right? About aluminum versus wood versus. That's probably it. Yeah. Um, you can. Uh, you think I'm paying attention during these conversations? Tweet at us I'm at classical stuff. C L S S C A L stuff on Twitter, and I will like and retweet things back to you. Um, although last time I did that, I interacted with a fan. I told a charming anecdote about an interaction that I had with Margaret Atwood. <laughs> sure. and, and then they added, added Margaret Atwood. <laughs> and so now I'm embarrassed because Which, if Margaret Atwood reads that, she's not going to remember me. Um, <laughs> also, she's never going to react. And she was right. probably never going to react to that. So Imagine. there you go. Yep. Um, and then you can find all of our back episodes at classicalstuff.net. And we gotta, we're, we're probably going to be working on some way to uh, make those more easily available. I don't know. we got to figure that out. Wait, Just what? go to the website. They're right yeah. there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I was scrolling on iTunes, and there was some iTunes pages that had more than 100 podcast lists, and I was jelly. It's because we host through Squarespace. That's yeah. why oh, we're okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our right. host will not, will not keep it up past 100 gotcha. episodes. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for listening. This has been Graham, Thomas, and AJ signing off, and we will be back next week. Yes. With another thrilling topic Woo. from the classical world. Truth. Bye. That was Bye. a sweet ending. It was much better than the intro. I appreciate that. <laughs>